Welcome to Unscripted Gaming. My name is Josh, joined as ever by my wonderful esteemed colleagues, Mike and Ray. Hello. Hello. I'm Mike. I'm Ray. Gents, what's going on? Games. But video games. Should they be canceled? No. The answer. I love it. It may surprise you. <laughs> News at the, 11. The answer is yes. They, um, when that game is Anthem... It's, yes, it should be canceled. Are we just are we just doing this right now? <laughs> no, no, no. We should we should we should talk about some good things. Okay, I, I like that. Good better. things first. I like then that. scary things. Okay. Well, you know, I just I haven't been here in a minute, so I got really excited. I haven't I haven't had a, as much of a chance to dunk on Anthem and, and dunk in That's general. That's true. Mm. So mm-hmm. I just had to get the kind of out of the way. Kind of get my feet back under me, and then you know, let's let's go back to the good stuff, and we'll we'll get back to it. I'll I'll calm down. Okay, no, it's it's perfectly fine. It's understandable to want to dunk on Anthem this week. <laughs> yeah, a lot we'll of get to that stuff happened around Anthem, but we'll come. Oh yeah, <laughs> but wait, there's more. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about what next time? Uh, yeah, I can actually go. I I've played some video games. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Uh, two in particular. Uh, oh. One, it was a quick little 45-minute indie game I played on my phone called Florence. Um, mm. it, it's a uh, it's a it's a little visual novel. It is incredible. Um, I, I don't want to give too much away, but I will say, um, very few games have made me nearly emotional and/or a bit misty-eyed. This one did. If you've ever experienced any sort of relationship in your adult life, this game will probably uh, uh, make you feel something at the very least. Uh, I think it was like a couple bucks on Google Play or um, whatever the fuck the Apple thing is. App Store got a. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it was a fun little thing. And then yeah. uh, on some travels, I was playing uh, some more Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds. Um, I think I last mentioned it about a year ago on this very podcast. You did. Uh, I, I'm play, actually kind of shocked. Uh, yeah, I was playing it on an airplane, um, and uh, we we got, did some we did some travel, and I played a little bit, a couple hours here. Um, yeah, I really enjoy that game. I just the the kind of problem as an adult who doesn't have a commute is I very rarely am pulling out my DS to play. Uh, but I really enjoy that game. I, I kind of like the way that um, the progression of that story happens. Uh, the way they do some really interesting mechanical changes with the the link that can turn 2D and, and move along flat surfaces that kind of uh, open up some new areas and open up some mobility. Uh, the way that you are getting... Uh, different items, the ability with the witch to move around the save spots that you have to kind of teleport around the world. Just little things that, mm-hmm. re- you know, have made the what you remember of A Link to the Past on this familiar map just a little bit more modern. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that. And I'm, I'm going to try and make an effort to actually play it a little more frequently. You know, maybe go sit outside and play my DS and actually get through the game and 
not go another year before I sit on this podcast again and say, hey, guys, I put another two hours into it. I'm still <laughs> really enjoying it. Um, I'm working on it. Yeah, I'll get there eventually. I'm working on it. Uh, but other than that, for me, not a ton. Um, as my absence has suggested, I've been pretty busy with the second baby Metroid and other things, so I have not done as much gaming. So that's that's about it for me right now. That's cool, man. Yeah, that is a uh, that is understandable. But um, I I also played Florence. I played it last year and also really enjoyed it. So I would double Josh's recommendation. It's uh, hmm. on phones, and it makes really good use of phone for like a pl- as the platform, yeah. which is yeah rare. Um, it, here here's the thing: if you play it on Google, <clears throat> if you buy it and you're done with it you were probably still within the return window if you want to be a shady prick about it and actually you could play it for free but by the end you won't want to because it's that good you'd be like no actually these guys need some money because that was yeah. an incredible little experience it's it's really cool um it was up there with uh donut county with my favorite mobile games of last year so i do love donut county <clears throat> donut county is so good it's great um ray what have you been playing lately so check this. Well, actually, I know what you've been playing lately because you've been playing a. <laughs> pretty much, it's the only thing you've been playing. No, so I had to take. I take breaks from Apex Legends. Believe it or not, mm-hmm. I. I can't help it. I love this game. I liked the concept of PUBG, and I put two hundred hours into PUBG over the course of two years. But Apex Legends is like, what if PUBG did everything right? And I mean everything from top to bottom. And it's so great. It's so lovely. I've won a lot more. Won a lot more games. I'm now getting getting wins on the regular, and that feels really yeah. good. Uh, Ray, can I just say though, the the time between rounds is not considered a break from Apex. Just <laughs> just so we're all clear. It is. It is. Yeah. So, loading screens do not count as breaks. So here, here's some proof. Um, I beat Kingdom Hearts three. Uh, just to see what the ending of that 18 year trek was. God. And that was one of the second most disappointing video game endings I think I've ever encountered. Like, I, I, it, it's reductive of me to say it's not the, <laughs> worth the wait. I think it's more accurate to say that this game isn't even a good sequel. Okay, this isn't a spoiler. It was the wait you deserved. It's the wait the series deserved. Yeah. At this point, like when I finished it, I I honestly did have a moment thinking to myself, saying, "I don't know what I expected." <laughs> like, it wasn't this, but I should have expected better. But knowing where we've been going for the past almost two decades, no, I shouldn't have. Mm. Um, so- like I think I think all of the various non-canon canon non-canon canon remake remastered 25,000 over 84 fifths to the second squared over the last two decades since Kingdom Hearts 2 were released really really should have been an indication to to really everybody that this series jumped the shark a long time long time ago and that uh, a third numbered series release in the actual like quote unquote sequel finale was just like much like Duke Nukem Forever, never going to live up to what it could have been, what the potential was, because they just they lost the plot a long time ago and they had no idea what to do with this 
this franchise or this game anymore in a modern setting because they just they kind of missed the window. To Josh's point, which is absolutely true, uh, there's so many sequels. Did you know that besides Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, like literally 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2, every other Kingdom Hearts game that has ever come out originally came out on a completely different platform than its predecessor? And that is justifiably very frustrating. That's well. Not hilarious. only that, I don't. <laughs> it's like, true though. It's let's, true. Let's say That's you're hilarious. a you're a console fanboy, and you stuck diehard to PlayStation consoles. You got the PlayStation One, the Two, the PSP, the PSP Go, the Vita, the PS4, the PS4 Pro. Some of those canon games, if I'm not mistaken, came out on Nintendo platforms. Yes, there were. Okay, Decoded is not Decoded is semi-canon in my opinion. You don't have to play it, but there were two on the DS and one on the 3DS, and they are part of the main canon, so required playing. Uh, those games being three, five, six days over two, and what was the 3DS one? Oh yeah, Dream Drop Distance. Uh, Dream Drop Distance is a direct. The fucking pre- no, don't get me started name. on the names. That's a whole other podcast, okay? <laughs> Birth by Sleep. Uh, Union Cross. We're not getting into the naming conventions of Kingdom Hearts. We'll be here all day. We, do, we, we just do not have the... We don't have the time. We don't have the days over sleep to do this. You are a monster. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, Mike. Um, here, here are some key point issues that are non-spoiler for Kingdom Hearts 3 that... So I can clarify why I'm saying it's disappointing. Um, you know the lovely thing about Kingdom Hearts is it's a, a union between Final Fantasy and Disney. Well, in Kingdom Hearts 3, there are no Final Fantasy characters. None. Not a single one, unless you count the Moogle, which is a, uh, a shop. But he doesn't move or do anything besides sell you items. Are there any Chocobos? No. There's no Cloud, there's no Final Fantasy 15, uh, Noctis, there's no 14, there's no 7, there's no... Nothing. None. Disney had... You mean I can't I can't see a Keyblade and a Gunblade just dueling it out? You could have in the other games, but not this one. At all. And that hurt... That kind of hurts a little. I'm not going to lie, that one stung. It, it stungs how much Disney had control over this game than others. This isn't a spoiler, but if you're a fan of what's the name of that song with the what's the name of that movie with the song "Let It Go" in it, Frozen. Frozen. If you're a fan of Frozen, great. They do a complete in-engine redo of that entire song in the game for no reason. It's just there. Uh, where can I buy this game? <laughs> <laughs> I need to own this game. Like, the whole world tangled, that's just kind of thrown in there. It doesn't add anything to the game. It's just, again, just there. Plus, you have, and I explained this to Josh and Mike earlier, but now I'll tell it to the podcast land. One of your most powerful attacks that you could do at random is you call up a Disney World park attraction ride that Sora, Donald, Goofy hop on, and they go, yeah, we're fighting the Heartless or nobody's, and you're just on this, like, we'll take the carousel, for example. And that is so... That takes you out of the game when you're fighting the final boss and you hop onto the pirate ship ride and that's doing a ton of damage to the final boss and you're like, this is some mood whiplash I'm experiencing here. What am I supposed to feel? But, uh... Okay. What? So what I, what I want to know... Okay. 
and I, I, I don't know that we'll ever get <clears throat> this level of, you know, the the post-mortem write-up, you know, basically the Kingdom Hearts tell-all someday. Sure. Uh, just because I don't think that that is nearly the, the Japanese culture, um, especially, like, in corporate Japan as it is, like, say, here yeah. uh, in, in other countries. But I would just love to know, like, what the hell happened? Well, this is actually Kingdom Hearts. This is public. Uh, it's game director Tetsuo Nomura bit off more than he can chew. At one point in 2013, he was both the game director, which is the head honcho for Final Fantasy 15, Kingdom Hearts 3, and the Final Fantasy remake. These are not small games. <laughs> no, but like that seems Kingdom, like a bad idea. Kingdom Hearts yeah. Two came out in two thousand and five. Yes, like they were talking about Kingdom Hearts Three in the E threes around like when I was the PS three launch. In, yeah, in yeah. Two thousand, like the late two thousands, early two thousand and tens. Like before he was like there. There was so much time between now and then. Like. How many times did Kingdom Hearts 3 start and end development? How much did they start working on something and then that project morph into Birth by Sleep or 3600 over 82 fifths? You know, like, what what parts of Kingdom Hearts 3, the original, got torn up and put into other games and, like, they ended up where they had to be for this one because of all the stuff that they had to add on top of what was originally in the first two games? You know... It'd just be very interesting to hear about what, what, what happened. I, and I get that he'd bit off more than he can chew, but like, games are bigger than one person. I know that again, Japanese gaming development culture is probably a little bit differently with with the way that the the cult personalities around certain people might take more responsibility on things. But like, it ha- there had to be more going on than just he took on too many projects. Can I remind uh, you, at, at that point, I want to bring up and remind you, um, Final Fantasy Versus 13 was announced in twenty in 2008. Tetsuro Nomura was the head game director, and the game yeah. didn't come out until 2016, and Square Enix had to kick him off the project to make sure it came out. And it's not a finished game. So, I think it really does come down to the man never saw a timetable that he liked. Yeah, that's also fair. You know, I, I kind of remember back to the whole... Here's the whole Final Fantasy thirteen like, universe. The, the Fabula Nova Crystallis series. Oh, and my gosh. nothing <laughs> came out the way that it was supposed to be. I, I have remember, no idea what that means. Real quick. And I, I never he. want to find out. Fabula Nova... Oh, God. I remember being Do so high for fan, Final Fantasy thirteen, getting it, playing it for... 15, 20 hours, and just hating it's it. It's not a good game. I was like, Dude, I was like, this is terrible, and I, I never finished it, and I literally took it back to GameStop, and I sold it back, because I was like, this game is trash. I And that was just coming off of playing Final Fantasy XII, which I absolutely loved. Mm, mm, peak! Great game. Peak! And then <laughs> played Final Fantasy XIII, I'm like, this mm. is all I'm doing is listening to these overly loud footsteps down the straight and narrow corridor between random encounters, and that's it. And lightning never with a personality. God. Yeah, that was a bad game. So, yeah, maybe it literally was 
the fact that he just took on too much and everything fell to crap. Yeah, he's he's actually really re- so. Um, there are some articles that maybe I can post in here, like. Square really jumped down his throat after he was removed off the Final Fantasy 15 project and said, you're finishing Kingdom Hearts 3. We're stopping everything. You can't work on the Final Fantasy 7 remake until this game is shipped. We don't know what you have to do to do that, but, like, make that happen. And the game really does show, unfortunately, that he leaned a lot more heavily on Disney than on any of the even Final Fantasy properties that he worked on. And it's not great. The ending's not great. I, I beat the game. I wonder if that's his. If also that was his little kind of middle finger to Square and saying, "Okay, you guys are gonna take away my other pet project and and force me to do this. I'm gonna focus solely on the Disney aspect. Anything Square related can take two of these." Josh which is... I'm throwing up middle fingers right now. Yeah. With with uh with water at dinner time mm-hmm. and go to bed. I uh. That's all I got to say about that. Very, very disappointing game. I'm, I'm saddened that, you know, I've been playing the game since I was in middle school. Now as a, what, a good-sized adult, just seeing the series come to an end, it's like, man, that's just life, isn't it? <laughs> you go in all wide-eyed, and then it just lets you down. Um, then I am down. I downloaded it, and I've been playing recently uh, some Ace Combat 7, and... I thought Ace Combat storylines... I thought I hit the peak of how stupid an Ace Combat storyline can get. Nope. That wasn't even the base hill. There's a portion of the game where... No, you know what? It's spoiler territory. I can't discuss it. The, the best thing I could say is prisoners shouldn't fly jets. That That's... <laughs> what a hot take. <laughs> Maybe prisoners should fly jets. Maybe prisoners. <laughs> this this game, it, it, no, the storyline is bad. Like I've checked out from it. I'm like, oh, so we're, it starts off. But this, this sounds like good bad. It, it's really good, good bad, bad or bad. It's bad. like, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see how anime this gets bad because the very first mission starts talking about the space elevator. I'm like, oh man, here we go! Uh-huh. How long before uh-huh. I'm launching 80 missiles from my top cannon that? Okay. Oh, it's, hmm. it gets interesting. It's kind of dope. It looks beautiful. Um, if you're an Ace Combat fan, they added a new maneuver that's been missing from the series this whole time that I didn't know I needed. Josh, you're, you're an Ace Combat fan. I know we talked a little bit about the Belkin War. You know, I I love I love Ace Combat. You know when you get into a dogfight and it becomes basically kind of a who can outturn who kind of like style fight. Oh yeah, that's basically ninety percent <laughs> of the dogfighting. So they added a new maneuver that just takes away the thinking out of that called the high G turn. You depress both the acceleration and the deceleration, so the throttle and the de-throttle triggers, and your plane just shifts 180 degrees in the air. It costs you, like, 75% speed, but who cares? You just turned all the way around, and it's no longer a turn fight. <laughs> so basically, they did over-exaggerated thrust vectoring and said, we're going to turn like this. Yeah, every plane can just do that now, <laughs> regardless if historically the plane can do Y'all, I'm into this. <laughs> I am, too! <laughs> It's just, More games need jet drifting. It's just basically what it is. <laughs> it's so dumb, but I love it because it's like I needed this. I don't care how unrealistic this is. My Tomcat has 80 missiles under the bay. Of course, it's unrealistic. 
oh. need need for speed so tomcat ready. drift oh th this is why would you need oh. this isn't a spoiler because it's in the marketing material but there is a portion where in the game your F-15 Strike Eagle has a laser cannon mountain beneath the, <laughs> the base. I, I'm loving this game is what I'm trying to say. It's so anime, I love it. Alright, that's it. That's what I've been playing. That's incredible. Matt. Okay. Not Matt. Mike. I'm so sorry. Mike. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of really anime-esque games, yeah. I finished up Devil May Cry Ooh. 5. How long did that take you to beat, I by mean, the way, if I can ask? Uh, not too long. I mean, I was just kind of going through on the, the human difficulty and all. I'll probably round. I enjoyed it a lot, and I think it's definitely, like, replayable to, like, try and get the better scores. Like, it's... it's The core gameplay is just, like, good old-fashioned Devil May Cry, and it's really solid for that. And I'm going to go through probably on, like, the harder difficulties. Okay. Um, but it did... I, the initial playthrough was, like, pretty standard length, I think. Mm -hmm. Um... So that was uh, I I have talked about it before. That was pretty great, uh, and I really enjoyed that. Um, fans of the series would love. I, uh, I can't wait I to try it. Can't I can't remember if I mentioned it last time, but I played some Baba is you. I've been playing some Baba is you. No, no, no. Baba is Baba is wall. Baba can be wall. Uh, but it's a fiendish puzzle game where you're like a sheep named Baba and you are uh, um, uh, what it, how, it's like it's hard to describe because like you basically like are trying to achieve the win condition and it changes from each level to level mm -hmm. um, but like so like you, your character is like you, the, it always kind of defaults to Baba is you, but that like that equation like Baba is and you are like separate little things on the map that you can like move and replace and like shift around, and you sometimes will have to like change the equations to like solve the level, and it's like I. I might try to like do some video with it or something because it's God, it's a really hard game to kind of like yeah describe. I, I listened to you and Matt both talking about it, and also the guys on GiantBomb.com talking about it, and it's it's kind of hard to conceptualize without visualizing. Um, and as somebody who doesn't typically like to like do a lot of preview looking, this is definitely one of those things I would still recommend for anybody to go kind of just take a look at. Because you'll know instantly everything that Mike says will make sense, but then you'll also pretty much know pretty early on if this game is for you or not. Yeah, and it's uh, like it's some of the, it, it. It's a really great puzzle game fluctuation of oh no, I'm so stupid, I'll never figure this out. Oh no, and then when it, you solve it, in you feel like super smart because the game does a good job of like. It feels like that there's a bunch of different ways that you could solve a lot of levels. Um, it it, it kind of with with how like it forces you to really think like non-linearly, um, and it's and you're just kind of like constantly trying to think outside of boxes, and it is it's really it is very cool. So 
If you like puzzle games, I would highly recommend it. Baba is you. I have an important question. Yes. Is it on Switch? Yes. I'm in. It is. That's what. That's where I was playing it. Yeah, you should. Uh, you should I think you'd like it. Do you know what? Are there other platforms that's on besides? Uh, I know it's on Steam. I don't believe it's on anything else at the moment. Um, let me actually double check here. Um, but while I'm looking that up, let's see here. Yeah, it's on Steam. Yeah, Steam and Switch for now. I think it'll probably come to everything else eventually, but uh, definitely a great Switch game. Um, and I have also been playing, I guess the main kind of game I wanted to talk about lately, I've been playing some Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Yes, I'll play it next it year. Is the real quick... Next year, you gotta get to it sooner than that, I, my guy. I, I, I've, I've made my I've made my stance. I'm sticking with it. Fine. Okay. Uh, well, real quick, it's uh, it's the the team behind it is from software <laughs> makers of makers of great games like Dark Souls, yes, like Bloodborne, yes, and a bunch of other games in their history that are also good. Armored Core, not Armored Core. Yes. <laughs> um, Preach. And this game is, I'm, I'm about five hours in. I'm not super far in. But this game is fiendish. Yeah. And it's, because if you look at that, if you look at it, you're like, oh, this looks like a Dark Souls game. But very quickly, I have learned that the things I do and would use to succeed in Dark Souls and Bloodborne mm -hmm. just do not work in this game. Because, like, in Dark Souls I would build to, like, you know, dodge enemy attacks and, like, outmaneuver bosses, and that's generally how I would win. Mm -hmm. But in Sekiro, because Sek it's like a samurai kind of Imperial Japan type setting, so you're, like, fight you're like fighting samurai and, like, other shinobi and other things that I don't want to spoil. I, I'm, um, I'm excited to play this game, I'll be honest. And if you, tr if you like, try to play it like Dark Souls, you will get crushed. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why I've had such difficulty, I think, starting off with this game is because it's, it's, it is tough, but it's just, like, I, ha I feel like I have to unlearn, like, all of my, like, Dark Souls cheesing uh, and just how I would approach, like, bosses and, and fights in Dark Souls uh, to learn how to play Sekiro, because um, but now, like, the other day I was, I had finally gotten past, like, there was this mini boss, like, not even just, like, a regular, like, a real big scary boss, but just, like, a mini boss who's, like, um, was just kicking my butt, and then, and then when it finally clicked for me and I figured out, like, how to do the because he had, like, a big spear, and you're just, like, a guy with, like, a samurai sword. Mm -hmm. And he would, he'll, like, do a big wind-up and, like, charge at you to spear it. But if you can do a special counter where you, like, dodge into his attack, and you, like, step on the spear, and then you can, like, wail on him and do a bunch of poise damage. Like, it, like when it clicks, it feels amazing. You just feel like... 
if it, it's like you can't even touch me. I am parrying every single one of your attacks. I have downloaded you. You are done. And then you just do like some awesome badass finisher. Like, Can I ask is, you some questions it, about that? Yes, uh, absolutely. So, um, the only Soulsborg game I've beaten uh, has been Bloodborne, which, mm -hmm. you know, holds a special place in my heart now. Uh, would you say the parry system is similar to that? There's a specific button you press at a certain time? Yeah, there. it's similar, but parrying is so much more essential to the core of the game. Like, I almost don't even, like want to say it, it it is technically like a defense a defensive move mm -hmm. but like like there's no stamina like there's it's just like it's almost like your block button is just like another attack button and it's kind of how you have to think about it because yeah? okay. you're like enemies have like their vi like vitality health but then they also have like their combat poise health and like if you slash them, you'll lower their vitality, but you, and do poise damage. Mm -hmm. But if you pay, and, but if you like parry and block their attacks, like they'll get poise damage too. And if they kind of hit the limit on their poise, it opens them up to like a mega super strong critical attack. And so it's that's kind of how like like the um, it's like the parrying is is important in Bloodborne, but it's like it's so. Like it, it is, it's something you can do in Bloodborne that is recommended, mm -hmm. but like it's not. It basically you can beat Bloodborne without ever par ever parrying anybody. You cannot beat Sekiro without oh, it. Oh, that's interesting. Like it, it, it it's because there's a lot of bosses in Bloodborne. I just didn't bother with parrying because the timing window was mm -hmm. for some of them extremely strict. And then, you know, you get to the groove mm -hmm. of Bloodborne where you're just like, all right, I got 30 frames, hit the R button or whatever button you have it mapped to. Yeah, like, the that's the thing is, like, the dodge is definitely doesn't have, like, the the iframes of the Bloodborne dodge, so Ooh. it's, like, less magical. Ooh. And it, it's okay. just, all right, it's, all right. it's kind of, it's honestly, like, the Soulsborne, like, the Dark Souls Bloodborne, like, kind of exam I've been needing for a long time because I never really parried a lot. I was much more like an evasive Dark Souls and Bloodborne player. Yeah. And this feels like, no, Mike, if you want to play and enjoy this game, you're going to learn how to parry. And I'm just like, ah, okay. Um, I guess just some other things I, I like about it. Like, I, I'm still so early, but it kind of has like one of my, like, it's just a game that's like full of enemies that fight like the player character like I like fighting big monsters and dark souls and stuff mm -hmm. but there's something really unique about fighting bosses and like characters who are like your same size and but it just feels like it's a pure like skill and speed matchup yeah. like and when you're like clashing blades like back and forth and like the music's going um, and you're like doing like crazy like power things with your arm like it feels it has, like, a really, like, cool, unique feel of, like... It's super cool. Like, I am... I'm, it's... I can't play it. I, I really need to kind of sit down and re and kind of <laughs> get to learn it more. But I just from little, a li the little bit I've played, I'm super stoked to play more of it. Because I think it's... Um, I'm sure I'll be... I'll, 
be playing it throughout the year because it'll probably take me a long time because it's hard as butt. Um, but so far, I, I think it's super cool. I take it block cheesing isn't in this game. Uh, you can't. I mean, if you hold down the block button, you will basically you'll block every attack. Oh, okay. Except for um, but I mean, you'll take poise damage, and then a lot of bosses and enemies have like big like telegraphed unblockable moves. Yeah, of course. Or, like that'll go through your regular blocks. You either have to parry, dodge, or like do the special counter thing. And um, yeah, it's it's really cool and. uh um, I guess just real quick, I before we kind of talk about the big news story we want to look at, mm-hmm. um, there's this game because it is very difficult. It spawned a bit of a, a, again a kind of a, a something that's kind of comes up in games every now and then about discussion about like difficulty. Oh, we're segueing into this. Here we go. In games, like uh, I want I want to talk more about the anthem stuff. Okay. But I wanted to like briefly touch on this too because. Um, a lot of the discourse is like, I like the things of, Sek- of Sekiro, but like, it's really hard. And I kind of wish, and there are some people were like, I kind of wish that I could see more of this game or like have some options to do something to make it easier for me to get through and see all the cool stuff in this game, mm-hmm. uh, which spawned the never ending gatekeeping discourse. Um,. And uh, I just kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that whole. I, it's it's such a, like a big picture thing, but like, what are your general thoughts on like the difficulty of a game? Like, it's so. I feel like this is like a minefield of a conversation because the mm-hmm. moment you show any derision to like, I oh, me, I'm going to just be up in front. I'm in the camp where. I buy from software games. I'm a huge fan of the Armor Core series. Oh my gosh, do I love Armor Core. I mm. uh someone got me hooked up to Bloodborne. I played a little bit of Dark Souls and maybe I should just do a stream or upload some content of me playing it cuz I've never to my shame beaten a Dark Souls game, but they are right up my alley. I and I've beaten Cuphead just to throw that out there. I don't have an issue with video game difficulty. But I have the, uh, I, I hate using this term, I have the privilege of not having an issue with video game difficulty. And I understand, let me explain what that means um, a little bit. <clears throat> I have no motor sense issues, I have no special skills, I have no heightened eyesight, I'm wearing glasses for F's sake, my vision is like 400 over 20. It's kind of bad, it's kind of really bad. Like, my contacts are 5 to 1. I don't know. The point I'm saying is that I am just a normal human being like everyone else. Um, But if I had a disability that prevented me from the button timing Mm -hmm. or the trigger sensitivity that certain games require, in my personal view, I would just move on from those games. And there there is the... I'm sorry, uh, you wanted to say something. Yeah, I think definitely in, like, in my kind of thoughts on this is, like, you really have to kind of separate, like, the difficulty of a game from, like, the accessibility options. Because, Uh like, there's a difference between a game having, like, an easy, a normal, and a hard mode versus, like, 
not having like versus the game being hard because like <clears throat> the colorblind mode is bad. Yeah, yeah. Or I, I, or you can't I, re or you can't rebind any of the buttons if you I like you know don't have. I disagree. Have traditional motor control. What's up, man? Well, I just I think that from what I've heard and and I have I am no big fan of the Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro type games. I, they they just I've never been one for big timing based, parry based, like all that stuff that you really need for those kinds of games. It's just not really ever clicked for me. Um, but from what I understand, at least in like Bloodborne and Dark Souls, like the 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 character options and the different ways you can create a character allow for a, a wider range of play styles. So yeah, maybe you mm -hmm. don't have the the second perfect. Um, maneuverability for a dodge build, but if you can make a tanky character and, and you still have enough motor ability to at least do a, a fraction of that, you'll be fine. But in Sekiro, mm -hmm. it, it's pretty dependent on those split-second decisions and timings because there are much fewer ways to build that character. And in that yeah. in that sense, I say that having some difficulty sliders might be an accessibility thing just because you might need the timing to be a little bit shorter. Uh, you might need a, a little bit longer so that somebody who maybe does have delayed reaction times or, or does struggle, you know, I mean, God, think about the Super Bowl. We just saw these ads for the Xbox uh, controller that is really customizable for... Yeah, the adaptive controller. Yeah, yeah the adaptive controller. I forgot what it was called. Um, and I also am of the opinion that the whole, yeah, I get it, get good as a meme and whatnot, but like the whole concept that like some games just have to be harder is kind of crap. Now, hold on. And I will, I, I will defend that, uh, with this. Can I, can I, please, so? please. Because I, I get that there is some skill that is integral to, gaming and, and certain styles of gameplay like the way that Dark Souls is designed you know is dependent on being able to do a certain set number of things but at, at another time you're you know I'm hearing people who are avid Dark Souls fans who are relatively competent at those games that still are constantly banging their head against the wall because sometimes the game is just so obnoxiously obtuse that it, I don't know. I, I'm sure that in some ways, like Mike's saying, like when you do finally figure it out and it clicks for you and you're getting it, you feel really accomplished. But other times it's like, it just feels like this game is gatekeeping me from moving on for literally no reason other than it's saying it needs to be hard for you to succeed and you want to get that feeling. And it's keeping you from seeing that content that mm -hmm. is further in the game if you're invested in the story, if you're invested in the world. And I personally don't think that anything... You, you get anything less if you feel accomplishment from completing a game on quote-unquote easy mode and if you complete a game and you feel accomplishment from playing it on, you know, Legendary or whatever. Like, I, if you feel accomplishment playing a game at any difficulty, then you felt accomplishment playing that game, period. Mm -hmm. Just oh, I'll disagree with that. Absolutely, I'll disagree with that. 
So, so, so. But if you physic, if you physically can't play, let you know, if you can't play Halo on Legendary because you're constantly getting wrecked because you don't have the reaction time, but you can get through it on normal mode and you feel really good because you got to see the game, you got to accomplish it, you got to play it at your pace and at your level. You're still gonna feel good about it. I don't feel any less because I play games at an average person's level because I don't have the time to devote to playing mm-hmm. on the heroic difficulties as as much as I used to. I don't feel any less accomplished when I finish a game or I don't feel like any less of a gamer because of it. No, I get you. Like, there's many a times, like the last Halo game, Halo uh, 5 Guardians, I think it was, I couldn't give a damn. So I just plopped that thing to the easiest mode possible and it took me like four hours to go through the story. I just wanted to see what it was about. Uh, but, to your point of would I have felt better playing the game? No, because Halo 5 is not that great of a game. Like, here, I feel this conversation, and this is what I was going to bring mm-hmm. up, only really pops up for these grand marquee games that get a lot of attention that are from specific developers, and those developers have been, in this case and in other cases, very fair and open about how... Well, if you look at From Software's listing, of, I have their list of games up right here. They make difficult games. They make them in one setting, too. That, that setting, many people find to be difficult. But the, uh, the studio head has said on many interviews that he makes them... He, he and his team, of course, make them difficult but fair. They want, you, they want the game to be accomplishable... They wish that there was a way to make the game more accessible. They're not sure of what that is yet. I can post like a... It was a 2013 interview that he gave about Dark Souls 3 when someone addressed him like, what, what if there was an easy mode? I, was like, I wish there was a way to make the game more accessible but keep the difficulty because the game is built around that difficulty. Like, the difficulty yeah. is, is built into the blood of the game. But, um... Like, that's, a. Uh... Th- that's a good point because I think because um, like for me like I uh, um, like with those some of the more recent Fire Emblem games I just play those on casual absolutely uh, just because I just because like the challenge of like the permadeath of losing a character in the middle of a fight like that just isn't really like a fun challenge to me mm-hmm. and like um, and it doesn't I guess like that doesn't feel like a core I, I mean, I, there's like so many different things like to unpack here, cause, but like that, cause that permadeath in Fire Emblem, like a Taxis game, doesn't really feel like a huge part of the. It's not a huge it, reason why I come to that game. It's not even fair because you don't know how to set up, you don't know what characters to bring. You're just like, all right, here we go, yeah, and then they it's die. Like, so it Fire lets, Emblem's it, not fair. It lets me play in like a more like loosey goosey, freeform way. That's more fun for me, which is what I like, yeah. and. Um, it's kind. It's like I wish. Like I, I definitely like kind of understand Miyazaki's point about like the difficulty of translating, of trying to kind of figure out what something like that would look like in the Dark Souls and uh, like Sekiro. Just because, like in like Josh was kind of saying in Dark Souls and Bloodborne, you can kind of do character builds and grind uh, to kind of get more experience and and do more damage. Um, I think Sekiro is kind of a really interesting flashpoint for this stuff because there are a couple of like skills you can get that are kind of helpful, but it really just all boils down to just you have to learn the, the, the moves and you have to learn the parries. And 
the, it's kind of just how like railroaded and focused it is on just like learn to fight like that's it like yeah. it's fair but it's tough and it's like and but like like I it's mean, cool it's it, cool that it's who's that, it gonna that hurt if somebody wants to say hey maybe it takes me four hits to die instead of two yeah that's that's kind of the thing is like i i think um at the end of the day is like a game having an easy mode that's up to the creator i, I, I it's it i i think it's a stretch to say it like would like it would be for like if Sekiro had an easy mode, I think it would be a really a stretch to say that it like made the entire game on any of the other difficulties worse that that existed. Like that that's kind of um, like I I really don't want to drag like from here. I think I I really kind of understand where they're coming from, and that they like. I think the kind of learning of the combat channel like is kind of the core of that game and if uh um it, it like if you make that that combat more uh simplified you really kind of lose the spirit of what makes that game unique and interesting and fun. Yeah. Um but I do definitely think like like Josh says like I I think that there's some sort of I think there's something that they can find uh, or I, that would be cool if that just to like, you know, I I kind of wish more games had like a, like you know how um, in like some Mario games, like if you die a couple times on a level, you get like the special suit that makes you move faster and. I'm gonna be um, that guy. Whenever that suit pops up, I just feel insulted. I'm just that guy. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> it's like it oh hurts. no, you didn't. It hurts. No, you didn't. Like, oh, oh, there's somebody need a will helping suit. <laughs> That's oh, what it feels so like, man. It's like, do you want but the like, invincibility suit, little buddy? Like, get it, that it, thing it, away it, from me. Like, <laughs> that, but sometimes, like, you know what? I don't want to do this. I want to be done and keep moving on through the game. So I wish like that, more. Some people want that or some people need mm -hmm. that. Sure, in like yeah. a Mario game, I get it. I Absolutely. But, again, uh, and I'm not trying to, like, lord over them like they could do no wrong. Because, yeah, looking at FromSoft list, they've made some bad games. I'm looking at you cookies and cream on the PS2. I see you. <laughs> no, don't give me that face. I thought, you, I thought you were about to say that about Dark Souls 2. I'm like, whoa, no, okay, no, Dark no, Souls no, 2 no, is no. kind of the bee child of the whole series. But let's not get carried away. All right, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and drag, I'll drag one of my favorite series. Armored Core 9 Breaker. You have literally the coolest name in the series. Worst game in the series. That is a very cool name. Nine Breaker. Ah! Name and it's got a good story of why it's called Nine Breaker. Why is six afraid of seven? Stop it. You need to stop. Seven, eight, Seven, eight, eight, eight. Oh, oh. But um, so the game I was going to mention before, no one talks about how difficult a game like DCS F14 is that released in the same month, and that's a literal combat flight sim, and it makes no apologies for how difficult it is. One of my friends was telling me that he didn't do his pre-flight check correctly, so while he was on a sortie, his character ran out of oxygen. And he passed out. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. That's really funny. And 
that game, you actually benefit, like, actual fighter pilots play this game. This game benefits from you downloading the F-14 Tomcat manual and understanding how to play this game. If you're not playing with a Hotas, no one is inviting you to their Discord server. That's the <laughs> end of it. <laughs> it's like, difficult games are like that are allowed to exist. No one talks about that, how difficult that game is. Yeah, well, I forgot that, I forgot to mention that with my copy of Sekiro, I have to, like, before I play, I have to go into my backyard and, like, literally, like, fold over this katana, like, 500 times to get the, the blade balance just right. On a Wednesday! Before I log in. That's in on the instruction Wednesday. manual! It's right there! <laughs> but, so but, I was like, what are you forging in the back? Of Sarah, I'm downloading the Sekiro pats. But, but it only this conversation discourses people will call it, and it is. And it's a fair discourse to people that actually have legitimate mm -hmm. disabilities. I... I want to say I get it, but I don't. I can't empathize, but I do sympathize with where they're coming from. I really, yeah. truly do. I can't imagine what that's like. I think that's. I think definitely the key thing here is to separate accessibility from difficulty. Because yeah. fun difficult, like I think fun difficulty, is like the challenge that Sekiro presents. Not fun difficulty is when Nintendo doesn't let you rebind keys. Or again, co the colorblind mode is so bad that you can't really tell what's happening. So, I don't, I, but yeah, I, don't I, I would love, yeah. I would love to. Uh, in the interest Nintendo, of time, real quick, timeout. Nintendo keybinding is a good thing. What games are you guys Just talking about where there's happen. no keybinding? Like, like yeah, Nintendo is like notoriously bad about it in all of their games. I can't think of a Nintendo game that I can rebind keys in like I can't say like hey in uh what wow I'm blanking on the most re recent what, Mario Odyssey? Zelda game like, oh, no like I can't just change what button I want to do X Y and Z oh you're talking about the new Zelda game that came out recently or yeah. hey in Metroid in uh in uh uh Samus Returns that game would be much better if I could move with the D-pad and do all the map stuff with the control stick, but they won't let me do that either. Okay, so, like, I will never not argue for full controller rebind in every game. Because the games that don't have it, mm -hmm. and you, like, need it, oh, it hurts. Oh, yeah, so 1,000% with you guys there. But, yeah, like I said, uh, in the interest of time, we should move on to our, our final story here, because it's, it's juicy. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I would love to hear people's if anyone wants to submit comments or anything on uh, their thoughts of the difficulty discourse. We'd love. To, I thought it was an interesting discussion, so I'd love to hear other people's thoughts on it. Uh, but now that our um, we've had our veggies and potatoes, we get to jump <laughs> to the red meat here, fellas. Here we, go. we got mm -hmm. some juicy drama. Oh my gosh. Okay, so. I know I've been thirsting for weeks for a good... The, as all of you know, I'm a thirsty individual. Mike, Mike thirsty Mike's thirst is unquenchable, and for, he has been begging, just begging for uh, any, any sort of scuttlebutt around Anthem. I have been dying for... Because, like, I played... We, I mean, Ray and I, we talked about it. We played the demo... We're like, this game feels super hot and not good. Um, <laughs> and then, and super hot as in, like, hot out of the oven and barely making it to launch day. Yeah. Um, 
Oh man, remember the flight and, controls uh, at the Then the game the came out Ooh. and everyone's like, "Wow, this game is super hot and okay." And they're like, "Everything's fine." And uh I was I it, then it re of a game that had allegedly been in production since like 2011, it reeked of uh th- this some stuff went on yeah on behind the scenes and here, then man. and then EA is like yo what if we took this okay game and follow us on this one what if we made it worse <laughs> y'all like that idea cool <laughs> and, and we're gonna do it my boy Jason Schreier your boy now a reporter with uh Kotaku he came in with the goods and we're going to try to talk about this piece, but we r- I really don't think we'll be able to do it justice just because there are just, just so many... Because there are, what, n- 19 employees? 19 that, employees. That he interviewed in, in some fashion or another that had touched the game. And, and oh, yeah, I did not... I, I have not yet finished reading the article. It's beefy. Um, it, it's, it, there's a lot there. Yeah. And boy, yeah, it is like I, I, again. I think I want to go through and kind of pick out some of the the really interesting things uh, or some of the the anecdotes that stood out. And we have to talk about Bioware's reply too. Mm-hmm. Um, that that needs to be brought up. But just it is. There's. I really implore anybody listening to this to go and and read this whole thing because a it's it's a great piece, but it's just. The scale of the all the things going on here is just is just crazy. Like, I, I guess the goodest place to start as any is just like his oh the opening here is just you know that literally like days before that they announced the game, they had to change the name of the game because of the copyright, and then they're like, uh, I guess we have to call it Anthem now, and which which the like the people on the team for. A long time until fairly recently, I think, had no idea how Anthem related to anything in the game until they basically shoehorned in some reasoning saying that Anthem is this overarching yada yada in the game world. Like, they they literally just, because they couldn't secure the rights of the name they originally wanted, had to shoehorn in a reasoning for their, their secondary name. Oh, guys, guys, I found it in the article. June 2017, they changed the name from Beyond to Anthem. That is a year and a half before release. They changed the name and the story of the game. A game that had spent nine years in the oven. Uh, it wasn't six years. I think it was six years in the oven. Something like that. Yeah, and like... Think about that. Um, it, it's, it, and there are so many things across this that are across that that are just like... I feel like there's it can kind of be kind of broken down into categories of like engine problem and like studio problem. So like as a big studio problem, I kind of want to just read this quote here, like quote, perhaps most alarming. It's a story about a studio in crisis. Dozens of developer developers, many of them decade long veterans have left Bioware over the past two years. Some who have worked at Bioware's longest-running office in Edmonton talk about depression and anxiety. Many say they or their co-workers had to take, quote, stress leave. 
a doctor-mandated period of weeks or even months of vacation for their mental health. One former Bioware developer told me that they would frequently find a private room in the office, shut the door, and just cry. People were so angry and sad all the time. Depression and anxiety are an epidemic within Bioware. I actually cannot count the amount of stress casualties we had on Mass Effect Andromeda or Anthem, said another developer in an email. Mm-hmm. Stress casualty. Yeah. For when making a game. Like, but, but what it, the f- it's bleep? Also the, like, you... You sometimes, when you hear stories like this from from current or former employees, you kind of try and take everything with a grain of salt. Just like, oh, they're disgruntled. Oh, they're burnt. You know, they've been here for a long time. Oh, they're burnt out. But like, th- th- you can really see it in the end product in the last two games that they've released mm-hmm. in just the state that they've done it from a, from a studio that has typically released some pretty pretty high quality content over over the years to see them in such slapdash poorly put together poorly directed fashion you're like no this this is probably something that has some real weight to it yeah. that, that there I... are these problems and it, it was also talking about in the article like how the two main studios that uh, Bioware runs in I think Canada and then in Texas were at constant odds with each other there was a lot of fighting and bickering over who was doing what and like there was just there was never any consensus on what was happening and who was doing it that really also that led into some of these issues as mm-hmm. well beyond just the general stress of trying to put yeah the and like together. I, I, I think I've just from it's like developers work hard in games and I, I feel like it just, uh, the failure of management and leadership across the board is apparent here especially and I, I kind of relating to what I was saying earlier I think like what you were saying Josh is like we have to take it with a grain of salt with what people say on accounts like this but when um, but like take what I had said about something called stress casualties and then think and then think about that with this quote within the studio there's a term called Bioware magic it's a belief that no matter how rough a game's production might be things will always come together in the final months the game will always coalesce it happened on the Mass Effect trilogy, Dragon Age, and uh, Origins and Inquisition. Veteran Bioware developers like to refer to production as a hockey stick. It's flat for a while, then suddenly jolts upward. Even when a project feels like a complete disaster, there's always a belief with enough hard work, it'll all come together. And it's Lofty. just put combining that with like n- widespread stress and like just a- anger and frustration yeah. it's harder well, just re- like what it's a, just- what a way to try and absolve upper management and direction mm-hmm. of any real responsibility and just saying like you know guys it's fine it always is like this it always just comes together in the last bit it, don't worry it's gonna happen like way to way to really punt any responsibility off of yourself and just be like no we got this I know this seems like a really really poorly directed project and we have no no idea what we're doing but like it all just works out in the end so you know just keep just keep doing what you're doing because it'll be it'll all work out mm-hmm. so that uh, that's poor leadership 
Casey Hudson leaving, like, midway through development didn't help anything, unfortunately. And I understand man's got to do what a man's got to do, woman's got to do what a woman's got to do, and he's like, you know what, I'm just going to leave for a bit. I'm going to peace out for a bit. You guys seem like you have it. They did not. They did not have it. You miscalculated that. And then he came back. And then he helped it to release in the state that it's in now. You know what's beautiful about this expose? How they're talking about how the flight model had been in the game, then out the game, then it was back in. That was... That literally blew my that mind. That is so telling of the misdirection of this game. Like, because with how... Like, because in, in a, lot, a lot of the preview stuff for Anthem, like, that was the thing. Like, that's what made people, like... Oh whoa! This is like it's kind of cool how you traverse the environment like that. Like, are we are we gonna get Iron Man like the game? Like, is this is this what we're getting? Like, I can't even imagine Anthem with like with it's crazy like just how back and forth they were on it. Like, cause that's I mean it's just like that was like that was like the one thing like. It, Anthem's boring like, enough if, if as you, it is. Exactly, you if taking out it's almost exactly it's like almost unique thing. Yeah, like that. It's crazy, like how like unsure the team was about like <laughs> something like literally one of the only interesting things about like just my time with the game was just like oh flying is kind of cool. Like it's just cr- it that blows my mind. That and like. Everything you read, and then like everything about this, like kind of keeps going further and further, and like, and this is kind of a great kind of time to maybe go into like talk about how specifically like they were using like their difficulties with like specifically like the frostbite engine, which um, I saw some people say like you know EA doesn't like didn't force them to use the engine, but like that's naive like. When your boss tell when your boss tells you like, it's like how football teams were like, oh hey we're gonna have an optional like, we're gonna have an optional like uh, weightlift or an optional practice like, you know it's not really optional, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, yeah. and that's what like the engine choice feels like because, and just uh, kind of further in notes of the piece just talking about how. This was such like. Are you talking about frostbite specifically? Yeah. Well, that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's <laughs> EA's decision. They're, they don't want to pay Epic to use the Unreal Engine, which is like the biggest game in town. And that's mm-hmm. a shame because I don't know a bunch of Dragon Age games and all of the Mass Effect fame games, except for the one that sucks, were all released on Epic's Unreal Engine. Maybe it's okay to cut Epic a deal. Maybe give them 25%. It's alright. Because Frostbite's meant for first-person shooters. Stop trying to use it for everything else. It doesn't work. It clearly doesn't work. I don't know what it'll take for EA to just admit that. I don't know. Like, just some kind of fun technical details here. Like, Many quote many of the features those developers had taken for granted in previous engines like a save load system, a third person camera yeah. just didn't exist in Frostbite. So they had to build all of that from uh, uh, from the ground oh up. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I cannot yeah. imagine. Oh and like, no! And, and then you talk, and then like going for going like through it, it's like they're having problems with this in-house engine. 
with all the stuff that they had to like hack around um and uh then they like sent and just like in the pecking order they're like an rpg studio but like because like fifa is on frostbite when the fifa teams have a frostbite issue like all the frostbite like internal tech support goes to them first because they're the bigger deal than this rpg and so they're just like just so many like compounding things that just like it starts off small you can't fix it you don't get the support to fix it and then like as they get um as they kind of get closer to the release date here they talk as they're talking like the the mechanics and systems of the game itself they're like how do we know how, how do we, how can we like test how long our game is it, or if it's too long or too short if we have if like the missions if it's not even done yet it's like the game's out in a year and we have like one working mission yeah i, I just read about that part like earlier today where it's like a 40 60 80 hour game but none of the game is even like a qa state so they don't know how it's going to play out they don't know what the loot drops are going to be like or a balance that's terrifying I can't imagine the type of stress. And then while yeah. you're building out well, the I mean, game and you're a year out and you're still building tool sets for the game just to make the game, oh, that sounds like hell. Oh, that sounds like... Because you can't work. You can't do anything. You're like, I can't work until this tool set so I can do my job exists. That is horrifying. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, it's like... It's like they're like putting down railroad track in front of a train that they're exactly. on. Exactly! That's exactly but what they that's also like! Have, but, but you have to, like, invent a hammer and nails And you still have first. to get to the station next week. But you still, <laughs> you still have to... So it's not like you're just putting on the track. You have to invent the hammer, nails, metal. Like, it's crazy how much, like, how, how all this they're dealing with. And just, like, again, like, uh, there's... This is like a truly a monstrous piece, but this is another really interesting thing. It's like uh, that I thought because like it's in, like in me talking about this game, it's impossible to not compare it to to Destiny, um, just because on the surface they have a lot of some characteristics. Uh, quote because leadership didn't want to discuss Destiny, that developer added. They found it hard to learn from what Bungie's loot shooter did well. We need to be looking at games like Destiny because they're the market leaders, the developer said. They're the guys who have been doing these things best and uh, for the longest time. Um, as an example, the developer brought up the unique feel of Destiny's large variety of guns, something Anthem seems to be lacking in large part because it was built by a bunch of people who, you know, make RPGs. And they talked about how... Fantasy RPGs, specifically. Yeah, and uh, they didn't really, like they were like leadership was like had like an ego and didn't want them to really kind of learn from that and that was like absolutely like one of my big problems with anthem was just like compared to destiny like the gunplay just doesn't like not only does like the core feel of the gunplay not feel great but like the the weapons are just like shotgun plus one shotgun plus four it's not like a, a really transformative it doesn't like there's like the perks or like exotic weapons don't really change in that kind of transformative way. But like, um, I kind of want to talk about uh, um, Bioware's reply to this because that's 
also really interesting. Yeah. Um, but are there any kind of anecdotes you guys specifically want to pull from this? Um, My favorite is the most disappointing from working in the industry, and I get where they're coming from with this one. And they said, reading the reviews is like reading a laundry list of complaints we brought up to senior leadership when there was still time. And it's like, I uh, I feel that. Oh. That hurts. Oh, uh, when you're seeing the 55 on Metacritic and you're and the people are just complaining about the things that you know when the game was in dev was wrong and people said no, don't fix it, it'll be fine. And you can't do the whole like told you so moment cuz it's too late. It's way too late and no one wins. It's like I that that burns that burns me a little bit. I kind of have a lot more respect with this expose, as it were, because you're seeing with the hardships from Jump Street that they're having to deal with, mm-hmm. and you're seeing like yes, as anyone, ever, most people predict it, it was a degradation of leadership or just like a lack of talent in certain areas or just a lack of a a lack of ability. Like obviously, if you're changing the name of the game uh, from beyond to Anthem with a year and a half left to go and you're having to change the entire story which Bioware games are known for the story around based on that title drop then yeah you, it's probably a really really frustrating office and experience to be in so I I get it, it oh oh and one last one this one there was no escaping EA's fiscal targets let that sit and speak to most everything wrong with the game like that one right there. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all I gotta say. I do want to hear from Josh. Josh any kind of any uh, final anecdotes from the piece itself? Uh, no, no, I don't think I have anything else that I want to pick out that hasn't already been. <laughs> it's pick just, out. <laughs> it just reading that. The more and more I read it, the more I anecdotes I see the more everything just makes sense and the more I just go yeah yeah that sounds about you everything that they say shows in the final product and it's it's um it's disappointing and the the studio sounds in such dysfunction that I just don't foresee the destiny style make good of we're listening to all this and we're going to actually act on it and make this from one of the most disappointing games to one of the best games. Like I just, I don't, yeah, I don't think we're going like, to see that. Cause like for, yeah, cause that's a great point. Cause like destiny, like I, I said this before, like even when it like launched in like, um, I jumped in on the taken King, but like reports I heard from people before is that it was, definitely short on stuff and definitely like the the, the like the systems around it were not great and not well designed but the core gameplay and like experience like there was really something special there and they really nailed that but it sounds like but like with Anthem they don't have that like really core like kind of thing to latch on to and try and like and as like their rock to build from and just like a, a, as a one last thing before I get to the reply here from Bioware, um, this whole thing just kind of fe- it, it it it's like a uh, a project management kind of anecdote I've heard um, Sarah sometimes talk about. Um, it it kind of feels like Bioware's like leadership and EA's leadership 
they think that's like they think that like nine women can have a baby in one month. <laughs> I love that phrase. Like that that's just up like oh you, they just one per month. That's how it goes. <laughs> and it's just, This is clearly yeah, a simple just, math problem. <laughs> it's it yeah, exactly. Simple simple mathematics. And what you people don't just, know is you don't know how to optimize. Now you get nine women in the room. Yeah. <laughs> you make sure they're all pregnant. Uh huh. I'm listening. And then they have nine babies. Clear the duh. Freaking idiots. Yeah. Like, let me it's collect just, my check it, and my bonus. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> <laughs> my big fat. My big fat shareholder bonus. Thinking bonus. My dividends. <laughs> my dividends. Oh. Don't you touch my dividends. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's just how it feels with this. That's how it, it, it like that feels like the philosophical approach to this. But so this story somehow somehow the story gets even juicier because when this article was published yesterday, Bioware basically simultaneously put out a press release. I think they had and to, like, honestly. Like, I I think like. Uh, Jason sent over a summary of the piece, not the piece itself, but this reply was up, like basically at the exact same time that his piece went live. Uh, like definitely not in a time that you could finish reading that monster of a piece and like, and then write this. Uh, and definitely the first part is just kind of like a, a standard, you know, um, unfair focus on specific team members and leaders. Uh, who did their best to bring this totally new idea to fans? Eh, to be fair, there's no other Celtic Umbridge. Like it. Okay, um, that's that's fair. Schluters, they're called Schluters now. Oh no, we're um, we're, we're canceling Schluters. Nope, they're Schluters. Uh, second paragraph: We put a great emphasis on our work culture in studios and talking about how they, you know, want to uh, do a better job of avoiding crunch and. Um, is not a major topic of feedback in our internal postmortems, which is hilarious to me, because <laughs> it's like, hey, b- hey, employee, are you happy? You're happy at work, right? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> just like, oh yeah, sure. Like, hilar- hilarious, just, just so. Hey, employee I mean, who's not completely not, disposable. Like, you're satisfied at your job, yes. Um. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Good, 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 good. You give that uh, five out of ten. Great. We'll make sure thank you're you. all nice. Thank you, Mr. EA says. Thank you. And remember, uh, we do uh, a ten percent employee cut every year. Have some origin bucks. <laughs> have some more. No, he hit him with the origin <laughs> But this last article, this last paragraph, I kind of want to read verbatim. Okay. As a studio and a team, we accept all criticism that will come our way for the games we make, especially from our players. The creative process is often difficult. The struggles and challenges of uh, making video games are very real, but the reward of putting something we created into the hands of our players is amazing. People in this industry put so much passion and energy into making something fun. We don't see the value in tearing down one another or another's work. We don't believe articles that do are making our industry and craft better. Ooh, could have done without that last sentence. Our full focus is on our players and continuing to make Anthem everything it can be for our community. Thank you to our fans for your support. That, I was with it until that, Just wanna that, that second that to last sentence. That uh, we don't believe articles that do are making our industry and craft better. 
Yeah, you know, you know, I'm gonna have to disagree. I, I, I think, I think the journalist yes. did his job, and that's okay yeah. to kind. Of Do you know how you how you avoid, like, it, it's just to, like, if he's lying, call him a liar. Then you could both have it out in court. But this thing right here doesn't say that Jason Schreier was lying, because he's not. Yeah, there's that. Th Seeing this, like, my jaw dropped when I saw that, because I was just like, like, there's th this, like, there's a serious, like, stress casualty. <clears throat> that's not, like, they, that's the term that that, that that developer had on the ready. Like, that was, mm. like, this is, there needs to be a serious, like, reckoning of, like, how unsustainable the, quote, Bioware magic as like a path to development is and to just say that like he's like Jason's trying to get a cheap shot on you yeah. is so disrespectful to like if I read that and and if I was quoted in this article and I saw that that's what like the response was mm -hmm. I would be pissed yeah uh, are you a oh, fan yeah. of oh, are yeah. you a fan of Twitter ratios? You should go to that. Love them. Okay, go to a buyer. Love Go em. to buyerware at twitter.com, and you can enjoy the the ratio that's there. We're, we're Ooh, let's uh, let's uh, let's take a see, look. See, automatically, Mike <clears throat> drops what he's doing. He's like, hold on, this takes precedence. <laughs> let's take a look. Ooh, yeah, it's uh, a good one. It's not. It's not a. It's not as. Uh, I've seen some real rough ones. Uh, it's not, Anything um, by Howard Schultz the is peak. The, <laughs> yeah, the the comments have a not outpaced the faves, but it's it's quite high. It's a it's a it's a it's it's a, it's definitely getting there. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh. You know where you uh, won't find terrible Twitter ratios. Mm. Where's that, Josh? At unscript underscore gaming. Go there That's a segue. Ooh. for some of the hottest content you'll ever find. Interact with us. Talk to us about this issue because I think we've said all we can, but we, I think we'd all love to hear what you guys have to think about this. Uh, for do sure. you think we're, we're, we're speaking nonsense or are we all kind of in agreement that this is crazy? You know where else you can go? You can get a Facebook, like um, Scripted Gaming. You can also chat with us there. You can also find us at Unscript Podcast on YouTube. All those places you can interact with us. Tell us about what you think about this. Join the conversation. Uh, you can also find us at uh, Google Play Music. You can find us at Apple Podcasts. You can get us in your ears anywhere your podcatchers are. Leave us a review there because that is super duper helpful. Um, you can leave a one-star review or a five-star review. I prefer the five-star review, but, you know, I get it. You might be a little offended because I forgot what the App Store is called, so, like, whatever. It's I, called the I App understand. Store. That's the name. Uh. You said it. Yeah, well, I forgot it earlier, so. Okay. <laughs> Either way, thank you for listening to Unscripted Gaming. My name is Josh. My name is Mike. My name is Ray. Peace. <laughs>